0: All right, some powerful stories there. That's, I believe it. Her name was Elizabeth Groff. Uh, showed that uh, how she was a recipient of the shoebox, and then now she's over in her home country of the Ukraine. Uh, recently, obviously because of the war. So, if you're not involved with this ministry, we encourage you to do so. Uh, If you are, we thank you for your support and uh, just continue to keep this ministry, not just here at Locust Grove, but that we're able to be a small part of what they are doing on a bigger whole. So, super, super job, so. All right, let's see here. Children's Church, Tony and Sherry and Lisa and Ernie, so 12 and under, wanna head over for that? All right, you got them? Okay, so Hannah, so, nobody, no. Miss Hannah? 12 and under? Okay, all right. And as they're heading over, uh, let's see, Hymn of Imitation this morning, 167, Pass Me Not. We'll use that. Uh, first and second verses are invitation Him. good to see everyone this morning, good to have you with us, uh, certainly a privilege to be here. If you're logging into Facebook or YouTube later, it's good to have you with us, and we invite you and our visitors to be here with us at any time that you can. It's always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you. Uh, as you remember, hopefully, uh, past couple of weeks, we've uh, been looking at a series of the five most important Important teachings in the Word of God, and uh, if you recall, we started off with that a loving God as Creator, and then the fact. Uh, I think last week we we pretty well established that man needs a Savior. Today we're going to continue on with that uh, series with uh, the next uh, section of it uh, about Jesus. The fact that Jesus is God. Uh, he was here as a man, and he is our savior. And that savior we talked about last week, Jesus is he. So uh, uh, if you recall, last week I mentioned about a survey that revealed that, that less than 50% of those folks that was polled believed that Jesus actually lived a sinless life. And, and therein, that just like we've been building on throughout this whole series, If you don't believe that God created all, if you don't believe that Genesis 1-1 is true, then you're going to have a hard time believing the rest of of what the Bible contains. In the same way, if you don't believe that Genesis 1-1 is true, you're not going to be convinced that man needs a Savior. And if you don't believe Genesis 1-1 is true, then you're certainly not going to be convinced that Christ is that Savior because Christ came as God, uh, came as a man, and he is, in fact, our Savior. But a lot of folks have a hard time reconciling that, to be half and half, 50% man, 50% God, while he was here, but yet we have faith in God's word and know this to be true. So this morning, if you're one of those, if someone listening is one of those who doubts, who has a hard time wrapping their mind around that, I hope this study will clear this up for you this morning. And we're going to begin over in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the prophecy about this, and that's what this contains, Jesus fulfilled those prophecies which said that the Messiah would be both man and God. And Isaiah 7.14 says that to us here. Isaiah writes, says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, Isaiah prophesied about this birth, would be both God and man here. He prophesied that a virgin would conceive and, and give birth to a child, a son. Now, we have to think about this just briefly. In Isaiah's time and at the time of Christ and and not too terribly long ago in our existence, this would have been physically impossible for a virgin to have given, conceived and given birth to a child. So not so much today because of our, our medical advancements that they have, but it still does not negate that God's creation says there has to be a male and there has to be a female participate for the creation of a child but in this particular case isaiah says that uh, a virgin will conceive and we know how the story in in matthew goes that the, the lord the holy ghost over holy spirit overshadowed her but regardless we see that Isaiah prophesied about this. And even in his name that he mentions here at the end of the verse, and shall call his name Emmanuel. When you look at that E-L in Emmanuel, the ending of the name, that always refers to God. Anytime in scripture, that is, that you see E-L, uh, that is in some way refers to God. And here's a couple of examples for you. Israel. One who struggles with God. Bethel, the house of God. And we remember Daniel, who's taken captive with the Babylonians and such. Uh, Daniel, God is my judge. So even in the name, it refers to, uh, to God. In the same way that Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus and called him Emmanuel, God with us. So Isaiah proclaimed both the humanity of Christ being born of a virgin and then the divinity of Christ being born without a father, a human father. Isaiah 9-6, if you flip over just a little bit, we'll see that he goes on to say this about Jesus the Messiah. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we see in this verse it gives several different names that that Emmanuel would be referred to, this God with us, Wonderful, Counselor. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and all of these things, all of these names are descriptive and true and accurate for what Jesus is to us. But the only way that Jesus, born of flesh, just as we are, could be this way is that he is, at the same time, God. So we see here that Isaiah is opening that up to us, and, and even Matthew one twenty-three. uh of his story of the birth of Christ refers back to this and says behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us so the prophecy foretold of Jesus Jesus who would be God fully God but yet fully man as well and that's one of the the most important teachings that we can understand about in the scripture as we continue to build on these five points because we see that even in Jesus' life, not just his ministry, but in his life, that brings us to the second point that Jesus proclaimed his own divinity as well. Look with me in Luke chapter two, another familiar passage of scripture. 41 through 52, and this is where uh, Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus up to uh, Jerusalem to observe the the feast of the Passover, the scriptures tells us Uh, the feast was over, they loaded up their family and their belongings, the caravan began to head back home to Nazareth. And after a full day's journey, almost, I guess it was about supper time, they were stopping, getting set up to spend the night and, and eat supper, and they're looking for Jesus. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. So Mary and Joseph go back to Jerusalem and find Jesus. And, and of course, I'm paraphrasing this so I don't have to read all of this to you, but we're familiar with it. And they go about the temple, and they find him there sitting and, and having com- a conversation with the teachers in the temple. And they, they call Jesus to them and, and they kind of scold him a little bit why have you done this like this you've worried us to death we can imagine as parents and Jesus simply says to them why are you worrying about me would you not know that I would be about my father's business well if he was born of an earthly father that would be carpentry he would be out building a, uh, a, a chair for someone But he was in the temple having discussions with and amazing those teachers because of what he knew and understood and the words that he spoke because he was God. It was his word they were discussing. Even as a young boy, uh, that was evident. And we see that in Luke, uh, if we look here at verse 49 and 50, he says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not? that I must be about my father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. So we see here as a young boy, about 12 probably, at this time. If we look on over in John chapter 14, verse 6, and in the, in the, in the gospel of John, he, uh, he uses these I am statements at least seven times in, in this gospel. John fourteen six, he says I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me I am if we recall is the name when Moses was upon the mountain and went to the burning bush And God was sending him to the children of Israel to let them know that that they're going to be freed from captivity in Egypt. And he said, well, well, Lord, what am I supposed to, who am I supposed to tell them that is sending me? Well, let's look over in Exodus chapter 3, verse uh, 13 and 14. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall they say unto the, I say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So Jesus uses that in the Gospel of John seven times. The I am references. Just as God instructed Moses to tell the children of Israel who was coming to set them free. So we see that here as well. That Jesus proclaimed his own divinity. Each of these seven times, I am. He was applying the very name that God gave himself to relay who he was. So Jesus proclaimed that divinity just as God the Father did. And then finally, what we have to understand with the combination of this is being both, being God and man, is necessary for our salvation. Because if he can be creator of all, if he can be creator of all and judge of all, then who else could prescribe what penalty must be paid for sin? And that would be, of course, God. And it's necessary that Jesus be that. Once sin, we know, with Adam came into the world, there was nothing that we as man could do to restore ourselves to that relationship that was originally founded with God and Adam and Eve. Only God could make reconciliation Himself. Only He could be the one that would restore it. So it's necessary that Jesus walk as we walk because our salvation requires a perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice. A perfect, sinless sacrifice. Just as we look at the sacrifices that were prescribed with the animals, they always had to be without blemish, without spot. They couldn't be crippled, couldn't have a cut, couldn't have a sore. Had to be perfect in every way before they would be acceptable. In the same way, Jesus was perfect without sin, without blemish, and without spot. And because of his sufferings, that our sin require him to suffer, Jesus is suffering. The Hebrew writer he even tells us in chapter two, verse ten, he says this: "For it became him, for are all whom are all things, and by whom all are all things, And bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain or the author, as some of your translations may say, to make the author of their salvation perfect." Through sufferings. And he suffered that painful death on the cross so that we might have the hope of salvation. Jesus walked as a man upon this earth for 30 some odd years. He saw the struggles. He experienced some of the same struggles that we experienced this very day. The same temptations he experienced and overcame successfully to show us that through the power, through the love, through the mercy of God, we can overcome sin in our lives and not allow it to dominate us. But that's the only way that a salvation can be brought to an imperfect people is through a perfect sacrifice. And Christ himself did that and here's the proof that we have of this back over in John again the gospel of John chapter 19 verse 30 the last words that John re- records of Jesus speaking before the resurrection when Jesus therefore had received the big vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost it is finished only God can proclaim His finished work. Only God can com- proclaim that the work, the, the necessary work for salvation is completed because it is His demands that must be fulfilled. Even our best intentions does not meet the requirements that God has. So Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross as a man who had lived successfully without sin to be that perfect sacrifice unblemished, unspotted to show us how to overcome and to handle and to defeat sin in our lives through God's grace and God's mercy He is our Savior and that's what we have to understand in these most important teachings because in the world today you will hear other names being mentioned as Savior Jesus said as we looked in the scriptures I am the way I am the truth I am the light no man cometh unto the Father except through me so any other path to salvation is false teachings it's a false God because Christ is the only one that came as God and man lived in perfection And died that substitutionary death for us on the cross. That we may have the hope of salvation. And that is a true statement. Unless you're here this morning or watching this morning. And you do not know Jesus as your Savior. Then he's not your Savior. Yet. But that can be changed. He died for you. But you have to accept that. You have to accept him. You have to be willing to repent of your sins. Confess him as Savior. You have to be willing to be buried with him in the likeness of his death and baptism. Raise that new creation having received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit as your guide. You have to be willing to walk forward in faith. Faithfully following and serving after the Lord until either Christ returns or we're called away in death. Now maybe you're a Christian and you realize that, that really in the deep recesses of your heart you have doubt. You have doubt about things that we have covered. But that can change. Allow the Holy Spirit to open up that and remove all that doubt in your life. Completely, in other words, as we would say today, completely sell out to the Lord. Believe that the gospel is true believe that everything from Genesis 1 to the last word in Revelation is true and you're going to base your actions and your life on the teachings of Jesus and the words of God and the truth therein and move forward. You can change that today because in the times that we live in, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, I don't have to scare anybody, the things going on in the world will scare you but look, these things were foretold it's not getting better the Bible says it will get worse and it is and it may get worse yet and I suspect that it will and there's no option B there's no secondary plan to Christ as our Savior if there was I would preach it there is no option that God stands up and, and looks at us and says well you were a pretty good person you went to church every once in a while you actually believe that I exist, though you never accepted my son as your savior. I'll let you in. I'll make an exception for you. That's wrong, folks. That is wrong. The scripture says that, Je- and Jesus Himself said, "He is the way, the truth, and the life." We will not go before the God, before God successfully. We'll all stand before God. Rest assured. We'll all stand before him. All stand before Christ as judge. He's going to either say, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Or he's going to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And if you go back and look and remember in the scriptures, he was talking to people that had had served him. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied and done many wonderful works in thy name? We're not even talking about people that's not sitting in a church. We're not even talking about people that say, Oh, I believe in God. But do you have a relationship with God? Does God know you? And do you know him through his son and our savior Jesus? If not, that invitation is to you today. I encourage you today, because we may not have the hope, or we don't have the hope. No promise of tomorrow. No promise that we will have one more opportunity. No promise that there is going to be another invitation heard other than today. So I asked you to consider accepting Christ as we were going to sing this hymn of invitation, Pass Me Not, number 176. And we'll sing the first and the second verse of this hymn. And I encourage you to come as we stand and sing. Pass Me Not, the first and second verse.